hello, 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 hello. Today we have a very special guest. His name is Conrad Lewis. And before I jump into our lovely interview with him, I just want to give you a tiny bit of a background on things he's worked on in the past. And number one, Black Panther and Black Panther 2, which is how I met him. And he's also done Suicide Squad and Bad Boys for Life. He's on set dressed for quite some time now, as you will learn in this episode. And I just want to talk about how he brings so much good energy and just a smile to your face when you speak to him. He's really, really such a sweetheart. So I think if you know him, you already know this. But if you don't know him, just imagine a really kind person behind this interview. And also, if you want to follow him on Instagram, his Instagram handle is Ancient Zulu, Z-U-L-U. He's great. I'd recommend it. He's an all-around A-plus human. Before we get into the first part of his interview, it's going to be a two-parter. The first half is going to be about on-set dressing, which is Conrad's position on set, some of his experiences that he's faced on set, some of the creative problem-solving he's had to do on set. I also just want to mention that on-set dressing was something that Cindy Carr talked to us about in her episodes, how when she first started out, there was no onset dresser. The onset dresser position was filled by the props people who also have a demanding job on set. So they were having to do everything that an onset dresser is responsible for and their jobs. And it just, it finally became a position I want to say maybe in the 90s is what Cindy mentioned. I could be definitely remembering that incorrectly because uh, I did not write that down. But it's a newer position that is definitely necessary. They protect the integrity of the set with the set decorators and the production designers mindset involved in how they want things preserved on set. The integrity of the set remains intact. They protect continuity for us. They make sure there's no water bottles or anything lingering at the end of the day on the sets that we don't want on the set on top of all the other thousand things that they do to make sure that camera's good, things are moved because there's a giant camera with dolly track that's normally running around on set filming all of the things and it exists in the space that you're in a lot of the time. So when you're in those tight spaces, it's your on set who has your back moving all your stuff and making sure it gets placed back where it was moved from. So I constantly sing their praises because they are a mandatory position and having an additional on set dresser is when you really have the creme de la creme because you have support for your person. They're able to leave set to go to the bathroom, to grab a snack, to drink water. And it's just a very necessary, necessary position. So with that being said, I also want to mention that the dynamic for the onset dresser is a lot of the times you will have so little interaction with them because they will be with the shooting crew for the most part. And the set deck department We'll be operating for our prepping, our wrapping. We're on different locations, making sure everything is good to open set the next day. And the onset doesn't have to worry too much about that because they should be able to come to set, having the set dressed for them and ready and reset if necessary 
by the lead man and the set dressers for the core crew. And they are there to secure the set from when the set opens and camera is rolling. So with that also being said, part two is going to be great because we talk about Black Panther 2 and our experiences on it and our favorite sets and just how the show went and really how we're excited that it it came out so great. So that will be part two. And there's going to be lots of spoilers in that one. So if you haven't seen the movie, maybe skip that one. But this one you're safe because we're going to just talk about onset dressing and some stories to do with that. And lastly, I cannot believe it, but it's already the two-year anniversary for episode six with Rob Witt. I cannot believe it's been two years since that episode came out. That blows my mind. I I just, I really feel like it has not been that long. <laughs> I had talked to Rob earlier and he was saying that it feels like it's been even longer. And I was like, I just can't believe how fast time is going. It seems like you blink and it's been five months, which is super wild. But that being said, I'm so glad that all of you have joined me on this journey of podcasting, learning a lot, and you're learning with me about how I'm learning. So I appreciate the company along the way. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Conrad coming in hot with the tea. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, thank you so much for coming on and doing this. And I really appreciate you doing this when you have so little free time on your weekend because you're working, which is, it's a lot to balance. And then you also have kids. So that's also crazy to balance everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. thanks for having me. I, I look, I appreciate the opportunity and, you know, I'm flattered that somebody will want to hear my little story. So yeah, absolutely. Thank you for yeah. doing this podcast also because it helps people to learn about our job in our lives and you know like bring the uh actual character to you know the uh, the title so exactly awesome. it's it's kind of crazy how many people have no they just have no idea what we do and they have no idea that we are a separate department from art department let alone all the intricacies and the positions that go within it so absolutely like, yeah necessary necessary evil with the podcast that I force everyone to sit down and talk about themselves. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. You're, you're doing a service to humanity. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again. I'm just going to keep saying thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but with that, how did you get your start in the film industry? Well, I started, believe it or not, in 2002. And I was um, working at the IRS, a seasonal job. <laughs> they, they used to tell us not to tell people that because people would get upset. But, um, yeah, I worked at the IRS, and uh, I was DJing, doing random stuff. And my buddy was like, man, you want to make 50 bucks being a grip? And I was like, what's a grip, man? So <laughs> I showed up, and it was a, a commercial for an adoption agency. And this guy was like, this is a century stand, and this is what you do, and a C-stand. So I was just like, that was my first gig. And uh, um, from that, my second gig, I was a boom operator. What? $25 a day cash. I would get paid at the end of the everyday cash. And, and uh, it was on this movie called Fate the Movie. And it starred uh, um, Lee Majors and Philip Michael Thomas. And uh, you, you can watch it on Netflix. This is a little goofy thriller. But my name is in the credits. So that was my first credit. <laughs> 
in cash. You got paid in cash, and it was twenty five dollars the whole day. And I thought I was, I was like, I'm gonna go to movies. I'm, man, I'm, man, I'm calling my mom like, yeah, I'm gonna go to movies now. <laughs> yep. And I thought it was something just to, you know, I didn't know what rate the rates were or anything like that. And so right. I was like, I'm just happy to have money in my pocket. You know, it was, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah, and it was cash. So watch out, everyone. Right, right. You know, like. <laughs> And I tell you, How that was you low budget. That was, yeah, it was bad. Yeah, that sounds completely insane. It's like, how do you even buy groceries with $25 for a day's work? <laughs> well, you know, I was like still like living with roommates. And it was yeah. just like, you know, that was like, it was just like a gig, you know, because I was doing other stuff, like I said. Right. But, you know, it was just, it was it was interesting, you know. And, and then I never knew about the whole Hollywood thing. I only knew like actors and camera people. I didn't realize there were so many different positions in a, on a movie. So right, and you went from grip to boom up, so you're very dynamic. Yeah, <laughs> very yeah, no, I, I hit the ground running. <laughs> yeah, yeah being a DJ, you? I thought doing something with sound would be up my alley. So oh, wow. that makes sense. yeah, that's cool. Is that a side project that you do often still, or? you've let that dream die. I kind of retired. I used to, I used to do like weddings and do, I do a friend's party. I do my fan reunion every, oh, every year, that's but funny. that's about it. I really, you know, I don't have time for that anymore. And I, I was mostly records. So, and now everybody's like digital. So I'm, you know, I'm old school. Yeah. I don't want to lug around a bunch of records. I'm too old for that. Man. <laughs> That's what you'll have to hire your kids to do later. <laughs> right? Yeah, my daughter is actually she's sixteen. She she's been uh, taking over the reins. So yeah, there you go. Put her to work. <laughs> right. That's right. My dad always said, at least. What led you to onset dressing? Because you went from one thing to another, and now you're an onset dresser primarily, right? Or right, right, right. Yeah. Um. I um. I said so. Two thousand two. I started. He did everything in the industry, crafty. I was doing crafty. That's how I got in the union in 06. I was doing audio on a short film, a little indie project. And the guy, Sean Jester, who's a lead man in town, he was like, uh, man, you want to come and help me? I'm I'm putting together the uh, Tyler Perry studio. This is when he moved to Greenbrier Studios. Oh, and he wow. built like all these facades outside and he needed a, some set dressers. So I went and helped him on that. And then... Directly after that, I worked, uh, this was around the time the incentive came into town, around 2007, 2008, when okay, Georgia yeah. Tax Incentive came. Mm -hmm. And I did a movie, uh, Van Wilder 3. They were just like the guy I was working for, Dan Post, who used to be the lead man at Walking Dead for years. Now he's kind of doing his own thing. He was like, man, I need you to be on set for this show. And I uh, went and, um, you know, and I liked it. And, you know, I had the personality for it because the first day the uh, producer was like, I don't like these leaves. Get rid of these leaves. Where's the set dresser? So I run over and I'm like, here, I'm here. And he's like, I like clean lines. I want all the leaves gone off these stairs and swept the stairs. And, you know, and he was, everybody was afraid of him. But, you know, what I'm saying I was, you know, uh, uh, having a dad that I had who had like a military background. I was like, if I can handle my dad, I can handle this dude. So. He was actually um, nice to me. He liked how I worked. And so, you know, everybody was like, man, you're good on set dresser. You should do this. So, you know, the rest is history. You know, it's like from then on, I pretty much did 
I don't say dressing. Uh, sometimes I go back and just be a regular set dresser, but yeah, as like the movies and and TV shows started ramping up, you know, that's kind of like I kind of got pigeonholed into doing just that. But there it's been go. good to me. I have, you know, much success being an on set dresser. It's that's a re- it's a really hard job. Which how would you describe the position of an on set dresser for people who may not know what it is? Okay, all right. My wife is. I had to use what she tells people. So, what she says is, my job is to manage the set and uh, the vision that the production designer and the set decorator puts forth. And doing so, I have to also manage what the director has to wants to change or see creatively. And so sometimes that can conflict. But I'm trying to like the middle person between those two to kind of make sure that the set dressing is getting seen but the director is seeing what he wants to see. And there's also like a third element of like the camera people, because a lot of times they'll need things in positions for the camera to be able to operate or to be able to see things that are that look cool or maybe build some foreground to, you know, help their shot. And so between those three elements, you know, I'm kind of like working to make it all happen. So. That's kind of what an onset dresser does. Um, I wish I could pull up uh, John Hamm. I don't know, you know, he's an actor, but he has an interview where he used to be an onset dresser, and he was like, "It's kind of, oh, he, 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 I wish um, you should check it out because uh, he, he he explains it really well." But he was just like, "It's a really job that people don't think about, but you know, it's it's kind of ne- very necessary. It just kind of falls through the cracks because most of the time I'm just like picking up water bottles and coffee cups, you know, so." Right. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's you know, not as, as people think it is, but it also has a lot of weight of what gets seen at the end of the day. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you, you're the last line of defense between like a crappy set and something that's beautiful, you know, that's going to be a historic thing because it's going to last forever, you know? Exactly. It's it's right there on camera. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your wife yeah. sounds like a smart lady. Is she in the industry as well? You know what? We met on that movie. I said I was a boom op. She was a PA. And we no met way. on that movie. And uh, after that, she was like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> but uh, she's a paralegal, actually. But um, yeah, no, but she's she's very supportive. And, uh, you know, because it's tough with the hours we work. You got to have a good, good partner to help you out sometimes, especially with kids. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's awesome. What's her name? Oh, shout out to my wife, Natasha. And, hey, Natasha. Uh, thank you for everything. Yeah, yeah. Love you, babe. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. It's. I was just talking about uh, this on the intro for the last episode about how rare it is that you see people who are married successfully in the industry. It's just not yeah. that yeah. common. We're a rare breed. It's tough. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is tough. Trust me, we had our moments and, you know, we were on thin ice a couple times, but just kind of work through it and you know and and you come out on the other side stronger and better yeah that's a true partner so props to natasha because that's hard it's a hard job to be a partner to someone in the industry (laughs) right right when you don't see your family for a week a week you know to the weekend sometimes because you leave before they wake up and you get home after they're in the bed you know so yeah exactly that's so true well, I know that because when you're on set, your kit is basically your lifeline because you're a lot of the times by yourself. And if you don't have a second on set, on set dresser assisting you, 
you need to be able to run to your kit, grab something quick to fix a problem because you're in the moment. So what are some of the things in your kit that are your must-haves that you would say? All right. Um, and I'm a weirdo because I wear this vest where I just carry a bunch of stuff on me. Like that's how because I don't I don't leave fit. You know what I'm saying? That's how that's my philosophy. If you're there, you can figure it out, you know. So yeah. but the main thing that I use the most is Joe Sticky. That's like the the gold standard of what a uh a set dresser needs. Joe Sticky, zip ties, and black paper tape. You know, between those three. That those are like my go-to. Like I can figure it out, you know. Like, I just get tape. I tape it. Yeah. Oh my god! You just wouldn't believe how many things that a little piece of black paper tape has solved, you know. So. Oh yeah. That's um my main things, and of course they're like my tools, and because you know when you're doing stuff, you it's random. But a broom is a huge thing too, because you oh. always need to broom things out of the way. Something um, for the set, for the crew, you know, so or make sure that the set is clean. Sometimes you have to make sure the set is dirty, so you got to broom dirt into the set. That's so. <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, Do you have any stories of when black paper tape just really saved your life? There'll be like a flashing something in the background, and Ooh, they'll yeah. be like, we need to do something, though. And especially when I worked Walking Dead for years, and in, in that society there was supposed to be no power and nothing so mm -hmm. if there's a flashing red uh led something i have to run over and cover it with black paper tape and you know it'll be after they're rolling and i'm just running in at the last second to, you know all good but not no stories in particular that i could think <laughs> of you know it's like no, just just in question. general it's always a little bit of something that just needs to hold for just 30 seconds until they call right. cut, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah. Every time, every time I do a tech scout, I try to uh, note where the exit signs that we're going to be filming are so we can cover them or make a box. So oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's always, that's always <laughs> somebody sees it. The last thing, can you cover that thing? And then you just run in with your tape. <laughs> every time. And then they, it's my favorite too, when they decide to shoot in a different direction and then, my lead man and I were just doing a pilot in a school, a high school, mm -hmm. and all the clocks now are the LED clocks. And so one of the oh, things wow. I heard on the tech scout was, hey, DP friend, how much do you hate these clocks? Do we need to tape them out? Do we need to tape right. them down? All the things. Right. But we're just kind of getting to a point where it's like, how do you, you can't cover all the exit signs and all of the clocks because that seems right. like but it's it's a funny thing that I think a lot of people don't think about. Yeah, absolutely not. You know, this this goes yeah. over the radar. Yeah, that's why we have black paper tape and great onset dressers, right? That's right, that's right. <laughs> Can you describe a normal day for you while you're filming? It could be like getting your schedule, talking to other departments, babysitting monitor, blah blah. Uh, well, usually I like to get to set early, especially if it's a new set. I I try to get there. If not 30 minutes, an hour before, you know, I try to talk to the set decorator and the wealth of information is usually the dressers because the dressers know all the little things and they'll have extra supplies for you hidden somewhere. And they'll tell you like, well, this chair leg is kind of wonky. So keep an eye on it. You know, like that's the, the little gems that kind of like help you throughout the day. 
And, it, you know, it kind of makes you seem like a genius because when you show up like, oh, well, I know where this is and, and I'll get you three more laps, you know, and it's always something that they want to add or take away that just... You know, it's just a last minute thing that you think they should have talked about during the tech scout and during the approval with the director and the designer. But it's always something that I think they just hold it back so they can just spring it on everybody so they can exert their power over whatever the scene is. So, you know how that is. And it's just like, why didn't we talk about this during all those 20 meetings we had for the last five months? Hours. 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 It's always something. So. But yeah, I I like to um, I like to mark all the I- items in the room that I think might need to move, like rugs, especially large sofas and chairs, tables, and just to make sure that I know exactly where they need to re- return to. Because that's what that's our thing is continuity is a huge part of onset dressing. So you know, it's um, working with the script supervisor is one thing, but you kind of have to develop a memory of where things go. And my thing is, which is weird, I'm weird about having an additional because when I touch something is when, how I remember it. So mm-hmm. somebody moves it and I didn't touch it, move it physically myself. I'm always like, what was this? Something was here, you know? And then, and then right. I'm like, it throws me off. So, you know, like uh, I get that muscle memory of when I touch something, I'm like, oh, I know this goes exactly right here. And that goes there, da, 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 da. Just because I was the one to do it. And a lot of times you get like a camera person or a grip and they think they're helping you by moving stuff. And they always move it, but they never put it back. And it's, yeah. just like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, thank you for helping me move it, but help me by putting it back. That's that's even more important. Help me less. <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. But no, thank you. <laughs> well, what, one thing that you said that I think is a good thing. I didn't have this written down, but when you normally, if you have no additional with you and you have to move something like a couch or something by yourself how do you normally go about that or if it's an item that's super big is there someone that you call on to help you normally move it uh yeah yeah you know normally what i'll do i go in i gauge the weight of it myself and uh if i think it's something that i can put sliders on i'll apply sliders i'll bring in a a a little four-wheel dolly or and truck and I'll just keep it close hidden somewhere. So, you know, cause, um, depending on other departments is always up in the air, mm-hmm. but after the year, over the years, I developed friendships with people and just relationships with people. So they know when I'm saying, I'm like, Hey man, I might need help with this, blah, 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 later. Let me know. And it's usually like a props person yeah, or, you know, cause those, it's always a, usually a props person there. Now, sometimes there's a standby construction or standby greens or standby painter, but it's not a hundred percent. Now these shows right. have been good about having those departments lately, but a lot of times when a show has a smaller budget, it'll just be as needed, you know, like a construction guy is needed, greens is needed. And so I usually try to find a nice prop person or a, a grip or somebody that, you know, I feel is sympathetic to my cause <laughs> and uh, will yeah. help me out, you know. But um, you'd be surprised, like, once you show people that you have initiative and that you really care about your job, there'll be people jumping, camera people. I had DPs help me, directors jumping. Wow. It's been, like, all types of people who just are like, hey, man, I see you working and I want to, you know, make your life a little easier, you know. And they always say, they should always give you an additional. I don't know why this, 
they have one on on set on every show and they know they're going to need official, but it's always a budget thing or always. a personnel thing. Nobody really likes doing on set dressing. It's, it's really one of those niche so jobs. Hard. <laughs> it is so hard. What you do is very difficult, Conrad. <laughs> yeah. And it's never the pe- it's never the job, it's the people. There's always some weird <laughs> dynamic. And, you know, and, and being on set, you know, a lot of the set dressers, they get attached to the set. So when things are getting moved or, you know, they're sitting coffee cups down, you know, they a lot of people take it personally because oh. this is their job. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, I've had decorators like have heart attacks and, and flip, flip out on people for sitting down on furniture and, oh, you know, and they'll tell me make sure nobody sits nobody uh, drinks or nobody. and then you become the bad guy because now right. you gotta you know be like hey uh, I know you want to sit down I know you've been working 14 hours and there's a chair right here but this isn't a chair Not for sure. sitting this is a chair for filming you know <laughs> right picture this as a museum do not sit in the museum furniture <laughs> right 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 yeah yeah so it's always yeah. that dynamic, but if you show people that you are really a hard worker and that things are, I don't sit on furniture myself just because I want to set that example to show people. Right. I, you know, even though I am in charge of this stuff, I will not sit down on set pieces because I don't want you guys sitting down on set pieces thinking that it's all good. So. Right. Yeah. I. It's hard for me when I decorate to watch camera or be, be anywhere near camera because yes. I struggle with that. It's, I know, yeah. <laughs> I know I have to work on it, but there's times where a lot of the times it's the camera guys innocently just putting down, you know, coffee, but yeah, coffee. if I spent $10,000 on that table that you're putting your coffee on and then a grip comes by with something and they're, you know, they're in their mindset and they're rush and they're carrying a C-stand mm-hmm. really quickly and they knock over that coffee. That, is not a piece that I can replace. It's exactly. not get fixed. It's going to be my heartbroken moment that we have to fix. So I always get yep. really happy and I'm like, do I come over to your camera cart? And <laughs> like, oh, I can't trash on your camera cart. It is tough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's always, it's always the people. And it's just like, you have to kind of like shame them. Yeah. into not doing that stuff you know like just make it just you know because with the anger part that route just makes them push back harder oh absolutely and so you really just have to like make them like sorry you just ruined the sense so, you know we only yep. had this one table but you know now there it is and then the ad's get involved and producers get involved like no more food all of a sudden blah, blah, blah. so it's it's horrible that it has to be that way and that we have to tell grown people not to put things down that may destroy the set, but it's that <laughs> dance that we do every time. And uh, yep. my head is off to you and other decorators who, you know, because I know it's tough. They usually like, they'll do this beautiful set. And then oh. first thing they'll be like, take all this out of your video. Get rid video. of all of it. Yep. Oh, God. oh I have a story. <laughs> This this show I'm on, we were doing this huge scene in the mall. The dressers put this red carpet down and, uh, and created like this Santa, you know, where Santa takes pictures with kids and sits. Right. And it, amazing, you know. I mean, had, they had to spend like hundred thousand dollars on this beautiful just setup. Oh, first day, first thing, the PAs are like, "Can we put the video village on the red carpet down there?" And I just I had a heart attack, and I was like, "No, we have not seen that set. That set shoots tomorrow." 
There's a huge mall we're in. You can put those tents anywhere in those chairs, anywhere. So please find a place. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and they respected that. And, you know, but it kind of, I might have came across a little, you know, a, a harsh. But I was like, I'm sorry if I'm, you know, being rude. But this is, you know, I'm saying very important set. And we need to keep it pristine before we film. So, and they understood yeah. and. You know, but it's a, lot, a lot of these guys, they just do what they're told blindly and they're not thinking, you know, they just right. want to make their ADs happy or their bosses happy. Right. And then I understand that part of it too. Fastest way possible too. It's nature of the beast, right? Always. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What would you say uh, is one of the most challenging parts of your job? That's it. Just dealing with the people who, you know, don't understand what my job entails because they have their job. You know, they have to put their C-stands here. They want to put their lights there. They need to get the camera here. And, you know, and it's just like, like, again, I bring up Walking Dead or when we did a production scene in Suicide Squad, there's trash on the ground, but this trash is set dressing trash. So people will just drink a water bottle, drop it, coffee, drop it. And it's like, well, I'm just adding to the trash. And it's just like, that's not the pretty, it's not beautiful trash, though. That's just like regular trash. We want the good trash. <sighs> and uh, it's it's this dance we do, you know, to just try to get people to respect the set until we finish filming it, not steal things off the set oh until my God. we finish filming it. Because the people that make the most money always show up like, oh, my God, this is wild. Where'd y'all find this? Oh, look. you think I can have it at the end of the set, too? Are you selling it? Is there going to be a sale? I mean, literally, before we film it, <laughs> they're, like, putting dibs <laughs> on everything. So it, it, you, I know you get that all the time where people are like, talk to talk to Shannon about this thing, this rug. I really, it looked nice in my house. And I'm just like, you make twice the money she does. You could have bought yeah. this, you know. <laughs> It's really weird how people shop from the says. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's like, we've just lugged it around. We've carried it up this crazy staircase. It's not in the greatest shape after we've done what we needed to do to it. Exactly. If you want this, just go to a store and right. buy some blankets. Right, 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 right. right. It never ceases to amaze. They, they, yeah. just like, they want it. They see it. And it's like, oh, my God, it's here. And it's easy for me. So, uh, you know, and, and me being kind of kind nature, I'm like, come on, man. No. And I, and I'd be like, just now I just say, just take it. Go put it in your car. And, you know, I'm sure the cameras will see you taking it. So, you know, it's fine. Man. Don't worry about the movie, you know, <laughs> and they get the hint, you know what I'm saying? So that's, that's, I find to, to deal with people, you kind of got to use reverse psychology. Or, right. You know, yeah. It kind of helps. Oh, I'm sure you see it all too. That's that's yeah. wild. There's uh recently I worked on a show and there's an asset manager for this particular company and they have a warehouse full of assets for this company and other mm -hmm. shows that are under the company can shop from them. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. Set <laughs> that was very, very expensive and very, very large. It was built in on stilts in the back of Tyler Perry. I'm sure you wow. were familiar with it. And mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. asset manager came out and was putting these giant neon yellow coating tags on the furniture that was assets in this large house set before we started filming. 
Wow. So I, I walked up to her and I was like, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, we haven't, we haven't filmed yet. And she was like, yeah, I know. And like, these are neon barcodes and we're about to film the set today. <laughs> like, why yeah. are you, why are you putting tags on them? Yeah. She's like, Oh, I'm just getting ahead of the game. And I'm like, how is this? Oh my God. It's like, no. <laughs> They're clueless, but you know, you got people, they don't, they, they, their tunnel vision on their job. Right. And so they don't, you know, they, they're not thinking past what their, what it takes to complete their job. And, you know, there's conflict. So. Right. I'm always, I'm yeah. just like, how in the world is this? We're really having this conversation right now. Yeah. 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 We it's it's crazy. Yeah, you would think it would be common sense, but there is common sense is not common. It's my dad would say. Yeah, it feels like um, I try to liken our industry to sort of a vacation almost. The way people behave on vacation is kind of how they behave in the film industry when they number one go to set, number two interact with people. They feel like they're entitled and owed something. Like we're in a service industry of some kind, and it's yes. Boggling. I'm like, do you act this way at home? What? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, okay. like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild. Wow. It people are wild. People are crazy. And and this, I think that whole, I don't know if you've heard this, uh, cinematic immunity. People feel like they're above the law mm. because they work on films, and you know, and they have this. You know, everybody wants to be in Hollywood, and they hold you in such high rapport. And they just think that, oh, I could do whatever, you know, this is, you know, it's my stuff. <laughs> right, right. Which is just so wild. I'm like, how is this, eh, you know, crazier things have happened. So I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, since you're normally such a lonely island on set, who becomes your biggest ally while you're working? I, believe it or not, go to the first AD for information because being alone, information is power. So, you know, like knowing what's coming next, I can have things moved out of the way already. So they're not waiting on set deck to do anything before they, they come or I can prepare and have it ready for them to film in that direction. And if we're turning around in five minutes, then I can go and get it ready. So I'm not scrambling at the last second, you know, and that helps a lot. And, um, that's key because you know uh, when you're alone it's just you have to make it uh you don't have any help so you know you can't be like well wait a minute while this person goes and do this you have to make it happen at the at that time when they're ready you know and they don't they don't want to be waiting on anybody especially said that you know they'll wait on grips they'll wait on uh, electric they'll wait on camera but their props they'll wait on special effects yeah but, like Props and and set deck and there's a couple other departments where they're just like, nope. what is what? Well, you didn't have it yesterday? Are you kidding me? You know, you couldn't read my mind and know that we needed this to happen. So and it's just like, well, you're giving all these other people so much time, but me, you know, you're just like, I'm supposed to, it's supposed to be done already. So and that's kind of like the dynamic, you know. You like it's important, it's so important to have the set dressing and but. It's so on a so it's held in such a low priority for filming, and yeah. you know until it's neat until like there's a problem, right? So I don't know when that'll ever be resolved, but until it does, 
then I feel like, you know, information is probably not props. Prop people usually help. But again, it depends. Like I've got people who are like checking on me, me anything, Conrad, blah, blah, blah. And then I got people who, even though we have the same good relationship, they're just kind of laid back and they don't really hang on set a lot. So, you know, they're not as helpful as some other people. Um, like the show I'm on now, the guy, he's a, uh, a construction guy. He's standby construction, but he always comes in and helps. And, you know, if I need to go to the bathroom, he'll be like, yeah, I got you. And so his name's Kenneth Cole. I shout out to Kenneth Cole. He's a good dude. And uh, yeah. he always helps me on. And we've done like a few shows together. We did both Black Panthers, Bad Boys, and, you know, and so, you know, and then, and then when I see him, I'm like, all right, I got somebody I know is in my. That's awesome. It's, it always depends. So, yeah. Sometimes there is people that, that help. Yeah. And I mean, it's, I just feel like you guys get such a, sh the shaft in the onset dresser position. Cause it's always like the two seconds that you leave set to go grab a snack or get some water, you yeah. know, go to the bathroom. Everyone's like, the whole set is burning down. <laughs> <Right>. oh. <laughs> it never you. fails. It never fails. Yeah. I always tell people like, Oh, you want us to roll camera? I'll go to the bathroom. And then as soon as I leave, all right, we need to do a little roll camera. Yep. We're going to have it. And they're like, see, I told you. <laughs> Every time. Every time. <laughs> Every time. So, yeah. Are there any aspects of the position that you'd hope to see changed in the future? I guess just more of the respect aspect of set. And uh, I would say that having an additional but sometimes you just don't need an addition. Sometimes this person just gets in your way, you know, yeah. <laughs> not to be rude or anything, but, it, you know, it's just like, well, especially when you're moving, it's, it takes longer to explain to somebody what needs to happen than to actually do it. So, and I, I think I don't want to shoot myself in the foot because I think that is something that to be not, um, I guess there's a lot of pushback uh, from studios to have an additional all the time because of the cost of it. But, you know, I see a lot of other departments and people that just sit around all the time. So, yep. you know, I don't want to name names, but we all know there's plenty of departments with people that, that literally they, they go and they'll trade out and sleep and the other people will be working and they'll take rotate out, you know, and that's, yep. you know, pretty much how it works. And, you know, they're, they're like, oh, yeah. On set, you know, they barely give you the, the rate for one person, you know, and then you know, like literally, I'm asking for one person, you know, to be paid a decent rate, you know, we could be paying yeah. two people, you know, I'm saying the same money and or, or a little bit less and be coming out worse. So it's always weird how that that works. You're necessary until it comes to be some financial issues. So right, <laughs> yeah, uh, that, I think that needs to be mitigated. That's a good one. Yeah. Cause definitely when you're by yourself on set alone, it's, it's very difficult to reset everything in the time frame that you're given or just move mm -hmm. things properly because I've had uh first ADs jump into, you know, a, 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 my onsets moving something very heavy and it's a two piece desk that has, you know, a credenza top and that top mm -hmm. of the piece has set dressing on top of it. So just clearing that and making sure the top gets cleared and the first AD just mm -hmm. tried to do the whole thing by himself and it almost fell on him, which mm. gotten really severe, you know, like yeah. escalated. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
I know everyone's rushing and it's, it's really important to move stuff properly. So having a second person there to babysit people from trying to jump in is also a good yeah. motive to have an onset, an additional onset. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you said, the first AD, anybody think, oh, it's a chair, it's a shelf. I know how to move a shelf. They won't touch grip equipment or electric or anybody else's equipment, but they'll grab our stuff in a heartbeat because they feel they're familiar with it because it is household items right. and stuff that they moved on their own. But, you know, it's like they end up tearing, so they want to open the blinds on their own. Even that, a lot of times they tear them up and they, they manipulate them and now they're stuck, you know, and it's yeah. just like, Conrad, can you help? And it's just yeah, it's like, like, oh, yeah, Conrad will fix it. And it's like, what? It's like, I should never have to even worry about you touching it. If, you know, that, that respect should yeah. be there. So, yeah. but, you know, sometimes it's not. And that's, I think in the future, that should be <laughs> better. Oh, absolutely. Across the board, every position that I have interviewed on this podcast has, that's been one of the biggest one is just respect for their position in our department. Mm -hmm. And I feel like set deck as a whole doesn't command the same respect that maybe camera or another department has. Because absolutely we, not. Yeah. We don't deal with the same background of safety that a lot of other departments have or specialty items that other departments have. Right. But one thing that our department struggles with the most is we are constantly changing. Every single set is different. Every character is different and every environment yep. is different. And no other department has to face that the same way that we do. Nope. They might nope. have to work with different terrains and different weather and different weather inclements, but not yeah. create different worlds the same way we do exactly. as well but yeah. really yeah you know, their equipment yeah yeah their equipment is always the same every yeah. set if they're underwater it's the same sea stand you know so yep. but yep. us we're we're dealing with you know like we're in space sometimes sometimes we're in the 30s and yep. down south in a, in a country village you know so yeah we we deal with so many more things and like you said, it, because it's not a specialty thing, everybody is, thinks right. they're expert on that. But I think that's another thing that draw that I'm drawn to in this department because it does change so much and so much variety. Yeah, that, uh, makes it fun. Yeah, definitely. I wanted to do camera when I first started. I knew I wanted to work in the film industry when since I was 10 years old, and I wanted to mm. do camera. So I filmed everything and took photographs of everything I could find from when I was 10 until I was 18. And then I went wow. to school for film and then I hated doing camera. You have no control, like you have control, but you don't have the same control that we do in our department where it's like, you get to create. Right. You create worlds. Yeah. 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 And that, that really, I was hooked. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. You do, you do good stuff too. So, <laughs> trying. We're trying. <laughs> yeah. Are there um, any aspects? Nope. I already asked you that. What has been one of your favorite experiences that you've had on set? I know that's a really broad question, but some sometimes there's like a memory that really sticks with you. I, I actually went back and this is actually before I began set dressing. In um, 05, I think it was, I was a PA and I was, it was a documentary for uh, Harry Belafonte. We were doing a part of the documentary was in the Marriott and at the same time, Dragon Con was going on. So we came out and we were kind of filming Harry in the lobby of the 
and and the people saw who it was, and they were like, "Oh my God!" And they kept saying, "Dale, Dale, and so like the whole crowd started singing Dale, and and Mister Taliban telling me when I, and it was like it was just like a party all of a sudden, and it was like I was there as a PA to like collect signatures for clearance to camera oh, yeah? and stuff. Like it was so many people, it was just like whatever, you know, like you, it, was, it was like impossible. But, you know, it was a, it was a good time. And I just remember like, wow, you know, like the power of the camera was there and just catching everybody and everybody was just so excited. And it was just like, you know, and, and being like with that historic figure and, you know, and learning and, you know, and it was just like, I just, I'll never forget that, that feeling of just being, I felt so important because even though I was a PA, it was only a cameraman, a sound guy and uh the woman who was a producer and oh, wow. uh and me and and harry belafani so that was the whole crew and we were just there but everybody was cool and respectful and you know like as as the pa i was doing pretty much everything but for that moment i was just collecting signatures and i just remember like that was like that's when i was just like i'm this is what i'm doing forever, forever. you know <laughs> like i'm yeah. not doing any other job because i was actually still working other Jobs. I worked at like a chicken restaurant. I still did IRS from time to time, and just to make ends meet. And I was like, I am whatever I do, I'm gonna get in this film industry. And that was board of the tax incentive. And I was gonna move to New Orleans because New Orleans had Louisiana yeah. had got tax incentive. Yeah. And I was like, maybe I just go down and you know, and, and luckily the the films came here. You know. <laughs> you didn't even have to leave. Super lucky. I, I don't know what it was, but I was so lucky because my daughter was born in 06 and I wanted to be camera also. I thought I, I learned how to load film and all this stuff. And I thought I was going to be a camera guy. But the camera people were like, well, you can't take other jobs if you're doing camera. You, you got you to gotta dedicate the camera. You can't do crap. You can't do PA. And you can't do sound. I was like, I need to make money. I have a kid now, you know, so... You know, it all worked out, and I didn't move to Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, I, I like, did. I did. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. a different environment. You did move to Louisiana? Yeah, I went wow. from LA to New Orleans to Atlanta, so I did the... Wow, did the wow, yeah. But that's <laughs> where the films were. Like, yeah. from, like, 2002 to, like, 2010, like, mm-hmm. Louisiana was, like, they had a, a good a incentive, and a lot of films were filming down there. Yeah, it was, it was wild. It was not for me. That city is so beautiful and so wonderful and the people are amazing. I just couldn't handle it. It was a lot. It's a <laughs> lot of partying. It's a lot of like yeah. crazy and the jobs yeah, yeah. that I was getting were just so hard. <laughs> I was like, you know, I'm going to bow out of this one. There's just places that beat you. <laughs> New Orleans was it for me. <laughs> Yeah, no, I heard it's tough filming down here because just the environment is tough. Yeah, yeah, it it was it was tricky for sure, but <laughs> Atlanta's our place, right? Here yeah, we yeah, no, you made it. You went and you got tested by fire, so you know. yeah, yeah, it's ooh. yeah. I had yeah, this moment no. that's very similar to what you're saying, where you're just like, I'm gonna do this forever. I was on. Mm-hmm there's this band called all American rejects and I was doing one of their music videos and I had listened mm-hmm. to them in high school a lot. And I had seen them play a bunch of concerts that were really big. And so my brain was like, how am I going to be standing four feet next to this band? This is crazy, mm-hmm. right? Like you're right, a right. little 
you're like, okay, this is a little intimidating. I, w- I think I was right. like 23 and I was making a hundred dollars total for 26 hours of work. Cause that's wow. music videos are, right? They're crazy. Yeah, music videos, yeah. Yeah. Pay you garbage and then you work forever. <laughs> and work then forever, yeah. Like crafty is Oreos and that's it. <laughs> yep. I, yep. I was in charge of um the confetti, putting the confetti on the fan for this like crazy parade scene that they were gonna do. And so mm-hmm. I'm sitting by this fan, I'm watching the band come. There's all these like confetti cannons going off. The camera's following him down the back lot of Universal, and I'm throwing confetti in a fan, and I'm like, I am addicted to this. I love my job. This is so cool. I feel like no one really gets to have this, like, casual story about them being on Universal's back lot where they filmed all these crazy famous movies, and I'm sitting with a band I've listened to. I'm having a whole mind-melting moment with confetti in my face, and this is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah you just get you just something inside you just was like i'm here this is it tickled. you're tickled <laughs> yeah exactly yeah no yeah that's awesome yeah i know a lot of people get jaded and the industry does take a lot from you so i also understand that but the moments that we get to have are also really special sometimes yeah absolutely which what is a moment that you had on set that taught you a lifelong lesson that you still carry with you? Oh man, um, right before pandemic, we were filming in uh, Panama. This was February 2020. So literally, when right. I got when we got back from Panama, they the were like, we're filming on Friday. They were like, we're supposed to film on Monday, and then Monday, no filming until like for months. So wow. So um, we were filming down in Panama, and the scene was a drive-by scene. It was in this poor neighborhood. I mean. Literally the whole country's like the poorest neighborhood we got here is nothing compared to wow. countries like Panama. So and um we went to set up these I went with the designer to set up this little side area that the, the crew's supposed to drive by and they're supposed to film these people sitting on these crates. And I went early and I was there and then some little kids were around. I spoke a little Spanish, so you know, I was talking to the kids and I was letting them play with my tape measure and the little tools I had hanging on me. And and that tape measure was like a PlayStation for them. They were like, oh my God, this is so cool. And I was talking to them about showing them my screw gun and stuff like this. And I had my, um, I had the, I used these uh, invisible ink markers that you can see under a black light. And I was letting them run my arms and they were just like blown away by this. And I just saw like, the simplicity of what could make somebody happy, you know, like we make all this money and fly around and, you know, do all this stuff and it's Hollywood and, you know, go to premieres. But like just these kids were just like having such a good time just with the little simplest of tools and just being able to see a movie be filmed in their neighborhood. And, and they were just so like joyful and happy. And I mean, literally like, there was roaches everywhere. Like people slept with their lights on because of the roaches. That's how bad it was. Oh my gosh. Neighborhoods were just bad. Like, like literally it looked like it was, you know, it was like a war torn country. But, yeah. um, but that 
just taught me, you know, just to be appreciative of like everything because you don't realize like the blessings you get. These guys, this guy was like 10 years older than me. and He was happy to be making $650 a week. He was like, that's good money here. And wow. we're sitting there making 3000 a week, you right. know, like, holy crap. You know what I'm saying? Like, what is this, you know, like, what are we doing here? You know, like, we should always be blessed. We should never be complaining, you know, because, you know, we're like, oh, crafty doesn't have coffee today. And, you know, a little stupid stuff. And, like, these people, like, were just happy to be making a couple bucks to be able to take home at the end of the week. And knowing that once the movie left, there wouldn't be any more films. They said the last film that came there was uh, uh, one of the Bond films that was, like, uh, eight years before that, you know? And so it was... It's just, it puts in perspective, like, our lifestyles, and we literally are, the first world problems is, you know, like, a big thing that I say all the time, because it could be way worse. Oh, yeah. You know, these kids were growing up, and, I mean, they were so happy, and, and, you know, I think about my daughters, and they got all the PlayStations, and anything they want, they still are just like, meh, 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 (laughs) you know, know, like. You know, they take it for granted because they've always had that. And it's just like that show that showed me that, you know, this world is is huge and you know, we should always be appreciative, especially in our industry, because we get we make money we make better money than people in the States. So, you know, you can imagine, you know, like uh people overseas and the type of uh you know, impact that the type of money we make have would have on their lives. So Right. Yeah, that, that that'll go with me forever. I'll never forget that that feeling of, you know. And I, I mean, I was surrounded by kids. It was like twenty kids, you know, and they were just oh, like, "Oh my god, a, a black light!" You know what I'm saying? Like, wow. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Wild. That's crazy. Yeah. I've never had an experience like that, but I probably would have sobbed my face off. <laughs> oh man, when I got home, I was crying like a baby. You know, like, oh my god, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. Yeah. Well, we're going to segue a little bit, but that was really powerful. So thank you for that, Conrad. That was yeah, really no a good one. Well, that was our gem of a human, Conrad Lewis, talking about his experience uh, being an onset dresser. A very vital position, as we've established, I would say, that definitely deserves more respect than they get and is very crucial to the set deck department in our whole dynamic. If you guys have any questions for the podcast, we have a whole email set up for it. It's goforsetdeckpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on Instagram, weirdly, we also have an Instagram set up for that. It's goforsetdeckpodcast. I can't thank you enough for hanging out with me. I'm your host, Shana Worsham, today and every day. It was great interviewing Conrad. I hope you guys check out part two when we talk about Black Panther. Goodbye. Also, don't forget to be an exceptional human. Goodbye.